Biggs. I have opted for, I guess, a nautical theme for this week. Very much so, yeah. And to kick things off for our midweeker, I've gone for Master and Commander colon the far side of the world which is a pretty specific title and also a real pain in the ass to tweet because it's long it takes up all your 144 characters just explaining what movie you're watching but we'll find out if that's worthwhile or not have you seen this before yes a lot this was a 2003 i think movie and I'm pretty sure I went to the wow, cinema the to see this one. Yeah. I remember of having a few beers. I remember that a lot more than I remember the film, which I really enjoyed. I do remember that, but I don't remember a lot about it. Yeah. I think I rented this on Love Film, which was... Wow. The, ne- the precursor yeah. to Netflix. So not as far back as Blockbuster, but somewhere in between. And again, I remembered really liking it. I just fancied... I think basically that this whole week came out of my thinking for a top five. And so here we are. It's long, uh, isn't it? It's two hours 19, I think. It's longer than that. So it's Russell Crowe. Peak Russell Crowe, I'd say. I was trying to remember without looking if this was the one that immediately followed Gladiator. But it isn't. There's a film in between. Well, this was two years after Gladiator, wasn't it? Two or three, yeah. yeah, There's there's something in between. Proof of life and a beautiful mind. Yeah, yeah. But he's in good nick in this. And incredible hair. I really... That's a good run, though, isn't it? Gladiator, a beautiful mind in this. A proof of life I've never seen. And... And then, go on then, tell us about the hair then. What makes it so magnificent? It's long and probably four or five scenes of him putting it in a ponytail in the movie. So if that's your thing, wow. then this is right up your alley. Well, I want to say that it's his own hair, not a wig as well. I just I couldn't say if that's 100% accurate or not, but did feel like, well, I wish I could have felt it. It did look to me like <laughs> it was his own hair, but I could be potentially mistaken. Who knows? But it starts off with some old school kind of text, like like in a throwback kind of way of introducing the plot to tell us that the Frenchies have got a ship called the Archeron. It's out on the far side of the world and the plucky Brits have been sent out to either capture it, sink it, take it as a prize, whatever, but fucking stop it in its tracks basically and so and what year are we inside ooh, golly roughly? something like 1800 it's set during the napoleonic yeah, wars isn't I it side so and it's around about the turn of the century so we're at 1800 bang on i think wow yeah, amazing and much like gladiator the initial thrust of the movie was thrown into a battle right at the get-go so they've been given the order to go and get the Archeron, but the Archeron catches them snoozing and basically nearly fucking destroys Russell Crowe's vessel, which is called the HMS Surprise. But it's them who are taken by surprise. And they are outgunned, outmaneuvered, very, very fortunate to get away. And they do it by basically hightailing it into some fog to take cover much like the USSS Enterprise did to hide from a Borg cube mm. if you yeah um, was. so they're in a bit of a quandary and they've got a choice whether to basically sail to back to port to get a refit or stay and fight and Jack Aubrey which is the captain decides actually wants to do the mm-hmm. refit repairs whatever they can do out at sea and keep chasing the Oberon because he thinks 
he's got the expertise and the and the know-how to catch it up and he really he really believes in his own ship there's a couple of disparaging remarks made about his about the surprise and he's very very forthright in defending her he fit he takes it very personally if anyone dares to criticize his boat ship oh god they get very annoyed if you call it a boat you're gonna get <laughs> really yeah yeah there'll be lots of sailors getting annoyed yeah. at that one of the midshipmen his name is midshipman hollam he he was on lookout duty when the because the oberon actually starts off the thing by hiding in the fog and ambushing them and he's on lookout duty and he kind of sees it through his telescope thing but he's not completely sure and it sets the tone for him as he's he's not very confident in his in his orders and he lacks that kind of decisiveness that you need in these sort of situations. And one of his friends actually raises the alarm and, and this sort of plays out throughout the film that he's the kind of whipping boy and it, it doesn't end very well for him as we, as we see later on. But you do get to learn a bit about the hierarchy or, well, I think you do because it seemed like there were these midshipmen who were all a hell of a lot younger than the rest of the crew. And I don't know much about how it all works, but it seemed to me like these were basically people who were wealthier or were in a position to become officers. And so they were in some mm. sort of, you know, like fast track to stop because one of them is this young kid and he doesn't look much older than 12 years old. I don't know how old he's supposed to be in the film, but he has his arm very, very seriously damaged in this opening battle. And in the end has, has his arm amputated and, Aubrey takes. Oh, that's by that's Paul Bettany, isn't it? He's he the does doctor, all that. Yeah, I remember that. He's also that, a keen. Yeah. I was going to say naturist. He's not naked. He like he's interested in the natural world <laughs> um, because, like a botanist. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, really, I was going to say ornith- ornithologist. Is that right? But he's more than just. Well, he likes more birds. Than just birds because they see some iguanas as well. So they, as I mentioned, they go off. They do some repairs and they go off to try and find the everyone again. But they get outwitted again. And Aubrey's like, but he doesn't swear. But he's like. He he gives them some kudos. He's like, you know, well done. You've outsmarted me twice. It fucking won't happen again. And their whole thing for the second battle, they literally say it at the start, is like, we've just got to survive today. We've just got to get through it. And someone on the crew, they explain that he's been at his cousin's wedding or something and he's been traveling and he's actually been to the shipyard where they built this French boat. And they basically are able to construct a very, very realistic model on the ship, I was calling bullshit on this, to be honest, of exactly, the, like, down to the fucking, like, complete blueprint detail of this ship and how the hull is going to be, like, three foot thick and their their cannons won't be able to penetrate the hull. And they're just... Just on the model, do you remember we watched Back to the Future yeah. 3 and Doc had managed to recreate the whole of, like, Pines Valley or whatever it was called. And the, how did this model stack up against Doc's model, would well, you Doc's say? Well, Doc's was an entire town crudely thrown together, but yeah. in no time at all. This was an unbelievably detailed, almost to scale replica of the French ship. And, and from okay. that, they were able to understand how many guns it had how thick its hull was how fast it could travel and so the rest of the crew are thinking and the officers i mean are just thinking well you know we've got fucking no chance this guy it's got 44 guns we, we you know we can't even hurt it what the hell are we doing it's like no no we'll we'll fucking we'll do it we'll be able to get it so they sail around the cape and uh, paul bettany's character he's seeing all these weird and wonderful animals that you know it's just like 
undocumented. So they see some flightless cormorants and some, I don't know if they were Komodo dragons, but some big ass lizards. And he wants to go and investigate all that. And he's like, really fucking, it gets his nose put out of joint when they're like, no, we're on a fucking like military assignment here we don't just stop to fucking look at some animals we're not going to stop and look yeah. at animals and they they basically get stuck for i don't know if it's explicitly stated in the film but the, basically the weather just goes completely calm and there's no wind for the sails so they're just stuck out at sea and morale starts to go pretty peat tong and that holem that we mentioned earlier he is here the, the crew are not big fan of his i think it's safe to say he's been given some jip and insubordination from some of the guys to the point where one of the 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 crew just you know when you walk past someone you deliberately drop the shoulder and, and bang into someone mm. someone does that to him and he just kind of ignores it but aubrey sees it fucking screams down the boat you know what are you doing slam that guy in the irons you know you can't have that sort of insubordination on the ship and he chastises holland for not dealing with it himself because he is an officer and he just doesn't have the balls to to do it and then when he the guy basically gets uh, he gets whipped on the deck in front of everyone when Hollem goes back into the the down the below deck he's sort of sarcastically saluted by everyone and you can see he's he's very fearful of some sort of retribution and he's having a real hard time to the point where he goes on deck later on and speaks to the other midshipman the one who lost his arm earlier on and, and just says, you've always been very kind to me. And he just sort of looks and goes, yeah. And he grabs a cannonball and jumps overboard and just drowns himself. <gasps> yeah, it's pretty, pretty barren. Drowns himself? Yeah, and the crew... What, what holding Yeah, just you just see him, you just, see him just, just go to the, the murky depths, the old Widowmaker. The briny yeah. deep. The crew had been calling him a Jonas, which is, I think is a nautical term for someone who's bringing bad luck on the crew. And, and it as... I don't know what the movie was trying to say here, but as soon as he kills himself, basically the wind like builds up and they're able to get going again. So you're like, oh, that guy literally was like <clears> bad <throat> luck for the crew. So a he, sacrifice. He was right to kill himself. A sacrifice to the yeah, seas. Fucking weird. But they do get going again. There's a whole other thing. During the last battle, someone had been knocked overboard and they'd. He was holding some wreckage and was gradually making his way back to the ship, but the wreckage was dragging the boat down. So they've had to make the choice, Aubrey's had to make the choice to basically cut him asunder and, and and kill him to save the rest of the ship but they're they've got this guilt of that hanging over them and so he's not going to let these frenchies get away they've, they've lost a lot they need to fucking get these guys but there's another fly in the ointment because <laughs> there's an a either a seagull or an albatross or something flying around the boat and one of the officers tries to shoot it it's got to be an albatross yeah surely uh ill-advised he- course of action because all he does do is shoot the ship's doctor you know, it's oh, oh yeah. dear! They're the they're the largest winged. Yeah, don't they have a wingspan creature? of sixteen albatross miles or something? Like six yeah. meters or something ridiculous. Yeah, um, and for the rest of the film, I was just wondering when was the retribution going to be on the guy who fucking shot the ship's doctor? There doesn't seem to be any kind of court martial. I mean, another guy got whipped for banging into someone. This guy's nearly yeah. fucking executed. The the only guy who can treat you wounded and just seems to be brushed under the carpet. So yeah, he does have a bullet and I think some cloth inside his gut, which is like uh, the medical assistant guy is just shaking at the prospect of having to operate on him and he's clearly ill-equipped. So they decide that they can't do battle without a doctor. So they back to the Galapagos mm. and basically give up on the archer and they're like, well, it just looks like we're fucked. And Paul Bettany actually using a mirror performs the surgery himself, which is quite a feat. 
I remember. Yes, I remember that he operates on it. Yes, he's grisly got his, with the mirror. Like quite yeah. a quirky-looking glasses that he wears to do all this sort of stuff, and he's glasses, he's like squinting yeah. whilst nearly septic, you know, with poisoning, trying to operate on himself. Yeah, but it is a success. He does do it, and so he recuperates. That's hard when the when the like. Oh, fuck yeah! What's the word that I'm looking for? That's hard when the tranquilizers are kicking in to do. Well, also, if you're looking in a mirror, you're you're doing it back to front you're seeing it back to front right so that would be doubly difficult yeah yeah he does do it so they they just stay at the galapagos and he's allowed to uh, go and do a bit of his david attenborough shit document his drawing birds i guess he didn't have an iphone to take photos and they decide that the cormorants that they saw that they're pretty sure is going to be the first this is going to be the first you know documented sighting and they're, they're going to take it to the natural history museum and all that sort of stuff but it's at the other side of the island they're like, well fuck it you know we've got nothing else to do we'll go over the other side of the island to see what we can see but what they do see is those stinking frenchies are just lazing <sighs> around in a bay on the other side of the island so they have to hightail it back tell aubrey this is what's going down and they come up with a plan to disguise themselves as whalers and take all the military insignia down, all the the, the flags, the, the uniforms, all of that, just totally disguise the boat and see if they can get within range to ambush the French, which they do do. But their plan is, because they know that their guns aren't going to be powerful enough to put a dent in the hull, so they're going to all... Yeah, because of... Because of the scale model. Exactly, they know that. So they know that. Absolute scientific, 100% accuracy. So the plan is to point the, take the wheels off the cannons and point them upwards so that they can shoot the mast down to leave them stranded and then get close enough that they're actually able to board. And, you know, once once you get hand to hand with the French, they're going to give up, right? So give up. And it does kind of just play out exactly like that. There's a bit of tension around um, will they be able to be accurate enough to take the men's mainsail down but they do russell crowe gives a tremendous yeah is it like full maximus decimus fucking aurelius whatever the fuck his name was a rousing speech to get the troops ready for battle it's really really something his hair's immaculate and they do they board and you get one of those battles where it's like the camera is in perpetual motion and you could never oh. quite tell exactly what's going on and i could never what shaky cam you don't mean kind of shaky cam and just super fast edit cam where oh because you're that's a no from me i mean it's not as bad as say like a a later michael or jason Bourne, you know hand-to-hand combat thing whether it's oh paul greengrass is it that sort of like where it's just a smear of impressionistic blurs on not so much blurred but just what you're looking at endless sort of close-ups of shouting and swords getting swiped but you can't really tell who's getting hurt. And I can never really believe when the captain, you know, leads the charge that he survives. I mean, you're running first, head first into a fucking, you know, war zone. Surely the people at the front just get fucking hacked to bits in no time at all. In any case, they take the ship and he eventually makes his way down into the the guts of the ship, into the, the, what would the medical area be? Not an operating theatre as such, but, you know. Galley? I guess a kind of triage area. And he just says, le capitaine, and he's on the table. And they ceremonially pass him the captain's sword to say, well, you know, we surrender kind of thing, or you've 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 won. 
So they have won and they have captured the prize and they now have two ships. So he promotes his right-hand man to be captain and everyone's fucking really fucking delighted with that or hip hip hoorays and whatever. And he's sent off to sail that boat back to some other location. They're going to go maybe back to the Galapagos or just hang around and have a fucking party or whatever. Yeah, well, this was all like the 1800s and all that was when Darwin went there with the Beagle and all that, didn't he? So I don't know whether he makes an appearance. No, well, there's a twist in the tale because Paul Bettany is like, oh, well, their their doctor fucking died months ago. Like, I forget. I forget exactly how he knew. He must have had an email or something about it. But he, he's, he knows that their doctor is not around and yet their doctor presented... Russell Crowe with the sword. So what they've done, they've switched the old doctor for the old captain. So the captain was the doctor. And so they have to sail off again back in pursuit of the old Aubrey. The Archeron. Yeah, the Archeron. Yeah, Aubrey's the captain. Yeah, the the Archeron. So that's how it ends. It's just like perpetual perpetual chase. Yeah. Yeah. I... I may not have done a great job of selling it to you, but I fucking love this film. It was excellent. Really, really good. I, yeah, I don't. I do remember liking it, but I don't remember a lot about it. It's Peter Weir, it is. isn't it? Truman Show. And, it was a um, it was a labour of love Society for some dude and, at the at the studio who really wanted to have it made. And it's based on a series of books, I think, as well that have been hugely popular. There are popular twenty and, books and a twenty-first unfinished tome. Um, so mm. this was supposed to be a franchise starter. But it only did moderately it, well. And no sequels? Nothing, nothing followed it, unfortunately. Well, unfortunately, in my opinion, because I really liked it. The budget for it was 150 mil. At the box office, it took 212. Mm. But I think when you factor in marketing and all the rest yeah. of it, it probably barely even barely broke even. So that's a shame. And is this another one that's set on the water that's just got horrible, like a horror show stories behind it of how difficult it is to film on water? Or No, I don't think so. I think it was all pretty smooth. They had There was a crew going round on a replica of, oh, which boat was it? Boaty McBoatface. <laughs> the HMS Endeavour, which was a replica of Captain James Cook's ship. And so they were able to put two cameramen on board that as it and it was happened to be sailing the route that they were doing in the film or certainly some of it so some of the shots that you see in the like hideously stormy weather they were that was all genuine that wasn't in some tank in a lot somewhere that was all like for real and we had some good storm footage there and we had some good storm footage in our main thing that we watched this week which we'll get on to on friday but i thought all that looked really good. good performances are good i just like it just had a feel of like a big throwback old school Hollywood production of like, you know, just let's just go real big and auth- auth- had a, a bit of an authenticity to it. Probably, there'll probably be people who are like really into ships and this kind of thing will say that that's not true. But for me, as a like a bit of a novice and an ignoramus watching it, it felt like it did to me. And it's always good to go for that epic historical type thing as well that's always interesting isn't it yeah and i don't know if i mentioned but russell crowe's hair it was really really 10 out of 10 yeah worth watching i mean yeah i've i've been meaning i've been meaning to watch this for ages it's due a rewatch if only there was a movie podcast that i was a part of <laughs> where it'd been chosen to watch <laughs> watch this yeah, i mean yeah it was yeah. it's two hour two hour plus so it is it's not insubstantial but it, it doesn't linger i really really thought it was tip top 
Wow, 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 wow.